Oh, no. Ask me about my wiener. <laughs> the... Ask me about my wiener. Traitor? Oh, hey, B and Monica. Hey. <laughs> Why are you wearing this? Every single brother in my fraternity has worn this suit. President James Garfield wore this suit like a gentleman. Oh, yeah, and look what happened to him. He got assassinated by Charles Guiteau. Don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> Do me a favor, ask me about my wiener really quickly. Traitor, no. Guys, my brothers could be watching me right now. Just ask me about my wiener, please. Why are you doing this? What do you mean? Come on, you're this. You're humiliating yourself, buddy. You know what, B? Don't mess with me. These are the happiest times of my life, all right? Traitor. I'm so happy. I'm the happiest. I'm happy. Hey, ask me about my wiener. out there the cut line and the Wyndham championship marks the beginning of the end of the 2020 golf season as we're quickly closing in on the tour championship but the cut line never rests and this week's breakdown of the Wyndham is sure to bring the ruckus but before that hello Canada hello Australia hello USA hello UK hello New Zealand Germany Spain Ireland hello We'll do an extra shout out to Canada because I heard someone out there doesn't like it too much. I want to give a big shout out to my man Ryan Kaiser who said that this show is spectacular. I appreciate the support, but the PGA Championship is over. And we're heading back to regular golf. No more majors now for a while. But if you're new to the cut line, where in God's name have you been? What took you so long to listen and if you are a returning listener, I love you, man. I love you too, bud. I love you, dude. I love you, bro, Montana. I love you, Holmes. I love you, Brosef Goebbels. I love you, Machacha. I love you, Tico Brohe. Okay. Okay. Hi. Let's, we uh, absolutely love you. Thank you for the support. If you're bored recently, check out Mad Max Fury Road. It came out a while ago. Love the movie. It's great. It's awesome. It's action-packed. Been watching it all weekend long. Welcome to The Cut Line. I'm Mike Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter. I am $700 richer thanks to PGA. $1,400 richer thanks to NBA. But the Wyndham Championship is here, and with a little research, some hot sauce, I know we're going to have plenty of wieners this weekend. And winners. Genius, genius, genius! Plus, it's Shark Week. Ooh, fun times. But this show shouldn't be done without the 6K Maestro, Mai Tai Manafort, the slinger of the banana slice, and the banana hammock. But Zach 
is not here. Fortunately, Zach got tied up with some things at work. Couldn't make it to tonight's recording, tonight's show, but hopefully we'll have him back next week. Why am I such a loser? But let's dive into in the last week. First off, Colin Morikawa is never going to be below 10K, quite possibly, ever again on DraftKings. The guy just came out on Sunday, played big boy golf to dominate the field, and it was a great performance. The, the best part, at least the funniest part for me, is when he did win, he dropped the lid to the PGA Championship. It was, go back and check it out. You can find it on Bleacher Report, find it on Twitter. It, it was just, he laughed about it afterwards, but still, it's not something that you often see with a winner. But uh, it's too easy to praise someone who did well. We have to go straight into this week's Dumbass Award. You have to fill out a form just to throw something in the garbage? That sucks. Beavis, you're a stupid dumbass. Ass clown. Dumbass! You dumbass! You're a dumbass! Such a dumbass! You are a colossal asshat. Oh, no, I beg to differ. Oh, dear God. You see, my name's Billy, and I just won King of the Ring, but there's one problem. Everybody still thinks that I absolutely suck. Your fiance is an asshat. He's not an asshat. Watch your language, okay? Oh, what language? Mr. Dumbass, I can bring a lot to Dumbass and Dumbass. I'm a go-getter. Dumbass material all the way. So, am I your man, Mr. Dumbass? This week's winner missed the cut on the number. On the number. Was it a wayward shot? No. Was it a terrible lie? No. Was it some unfair ruling? Uh Uh-uh. It was a six-inch putt. And in case you missed it, Ricky Fowler accidentally duffed a six-incher distance traveled by that little circular sphere on that piece of misery one single inch. Ricky Fowler, you ruined some six of six lineups, mine included. Thanks a lot, you jerk. Well, one of many. Anyways, cost himself about 20 grand. Ricky Fowler, you are this week's dumbass. But let's go straight back into the good, the bad, and the ugly of this week's tournament. Of course, the good, which was, I think, everyone's good. He was over-owned, 30% owned. Colin Morikawa won the tournament, helped plenty of people get 6 of 6 through, uh, was a scoring machine for DraftKings. Can't argue against it. The bad. My bad would be Tommy Fleetwood. In typical Tommy Fleetwood fashion, dominates round one and two, but folds in round three and four. The guy has never won on PGA Tour, and I'm beginning to question if he ever will. Hands down, the bad. The ugly. Ugh. The ugly goes to Terrell Hatton. Terrell Hatton was one of my core plays in two of my three maxes, and just simply could not make the cut. Fell apart, thought he was a solid play, but all in all, though, great weekend. I I, I can't say anything bad about the tournament or my process. I had a very tight core. It paid off. (laughs) And, I mean, there was at one point I'm sitting in first in the $75 three max, so it was a good weekend, long story short. But now the cut line is here to bring you 
in-depth DraftKings analysis of the Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield Country Club. And we're going to do the best I can. Oh, and remember, next Friday is Hawaiian Shirt Day. So, you know, if you want to, go ahead and... uh wear a Hawaiian shirt. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday, I'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sun traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. Yep, that back door. The goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is your tournament lineup in the green, but so is your bankroll. The cut line is here to give you the plays to build your best lineups week in and week out. And the goal is for you to be in the winner's circle, number one in tournaments, number one in DFS, and the cut line is going to take you there. Well, surprise for you. It's new segment time. You're Nick Papa Giorgio. You're from Yuma, Arizona. You're into software. I never kid about money. And you never walk away from the table. You're on a heater. We are going to embark on our Vegas ventures. Zach and I eventually will kind of further develop this, this this segment, but these are our best bets for the Wyndham. We're going to cover our long shots, maybe our favorites, and any additional information that we can provide to help you get some more money through PGA. And no better way to start than with our long shots. First of all, my biggest long shot that I'm going to take a risk on is CT pan at 300 to 1 here's why there's big correlation here between this and the rbc heritage ct pan has won the rbc heritage now he's 300 to 1 big time odds big time long shot but i'm most definitely going to take my chances on ct pan at 300 to 1 next piece of long shot that i'm going to take is jim furek look he's at 100 to 1 odds right now he's at the twilight of his pga career do I think that he's a viable option this weekend? Absolutely, and here's why. We're taking distance out of the equation. At 101, I'll take the experience of Jim Furyk in this field who's trying to get some piece of fun out of the twilight of his career. Jim Furyk, 101. Last pick is Ryan Armour, and this comes straight from the simulation model. Ryan Armour has projected an average finishing position of 10th place, so you can most definitely do an each way with Ryan Armour. 151 to win. I'm going to take that as my three long shots. Now, we're going to head to the favorite sections, and that's going to include Harris English, Tommy Fleetwood, Joaquin Neiman, and Sung J.M. First of all, Sung J has been a disappointment since the return. Okay. So at 33 to 1, am I expecting him to kind of. I was expecting better odds than just 33 to 1, and hopefully that people aren't buying him up to get those lower. So get that in quick. Next one is Joaquin Neiman. We've seen him win on tour before. And I talked about it before with Tommy Fleetwood, and I'll get more into depth of why I think Tommy Fleetwood is a great play at 16 to 1. But he's got to win at some point. And right now with the playoffs, he's not that great of a position with the Fed X standings. So that is our best bets for the Wyndham. Like I said, we're going to develop this segment a little bit further for you guys down the road. And Zach and I will cover any additional betting information that we could possibly provide. So it's Wednesday night. Lineups lock the next morning. What are you going to be doing? Probably looking at some weird Canadian hockey magazine. Potentially studying some scuba diving out in Australia. 
maybe as Zach would often be doing some weird, strange slaying of some foreign invasive insect upon his home. Whatever the case may be, I know what I'm going to be doing. I'll be checking out Fanshare Sports at FanshareSports.com. Fanshare Sports is where I go to get the best ownership projections in the industry. How do I know that? I do the ownership projections. So, it's an easy fix. Go to FanshareSports.com. Sign up in the discount code, write the word CUTLINE, and you'll get 20% off your monthly subscription. So this week, the PGA Tour travels to the Carolinas for the Wyndham Championship, the same course where Brant Sedeker set a record 59 in 2018. A course record 59. I wish I could do that. Wish. Look, Bermuda Greens is what this course is all about. But accuracy, ball striking, all those things that we worry about, yes, they come into play, but this is a scorer's course. Five of the past 11 in each of the last three champions at Sedgefield have finished with scores of 20 under par or lower. Past winners in this field include Seawood Kim and Brett Snedeker. Other notable past top finishers include Paul Casey, oh, Paul Casey and Webb Simpson. So you want six of six through. There's no better place than to start than our course breakdown. There's plenty of challenges this week. The course has played very straightforward in the past, ranking 12th easiest in relative scoring to par in 2018 and 9th easiest last season. The Country Club has recorded the 8th most eagles and 4th most birdies last season, and that much has to do with the higher than average rate of hitting both fairways and greens in regulation compared to that of the Tour average. Long story short, this course is so simple for the PGA Tour pros. There is really no opportunity for the golfer to double or triple unless... He's really off his game. Look, guys, it's a scores course. You want DraftKings scoring in your makeups, in your models. Bermuda Greens are where these players are going to be dancing. So while you're doing your research, make sure you take that into account as these greens seem to play tricks on plenty of these golfers. It's a classical Donald Ross design that doesn't require power. You're required to get six of six golfers through the cut line if you expect to cash. That's not a joke. You need 6 of 6. 5 of 6 will not work for you in a GPP or a cash game setting this weekend. Looking ahead at the weather right now, we're looking at scattered thunderstorms throughout the weekend. So expect scoring even more likely due to these soft greens, slow rolls, and easy play. My key stats that I'm looking at this weekend. Good drive, strokes, gain T to green, ball stroke, striking, birdie or better's gain, DK scoring, approach, and proximity of course i have my model that i use weekly and that is going to take us to our birdie or better segment he's two putts from victory only needs one Ooh, got a member's bounce there boys that's birdie all day long So the Birdie or Better segment is where I break down each tier of this week's DraftKings player pool, and we look at my favorite plays within the top tiers of DraftKings pricing from 11K down to the 7K range, and we're going to go right straight to the 11 and 10K range, and I'm going to start with two golfers that I find in very interesting positions, and that's Brooks Kepka and Tommy Fleetwood. Now, normally... I'm not going to buy Brooks in this position. I'm not. I have no interest. But here's why I think 
that the algorithm that we normally use for Brooks Kepka, the I want a lot of money algorithm and the major algorithm is the fact that Kepka currently sits 92nd in the FedEx standings. 92. Okay. Same boat for Fleetwood. He is currently sitting 85th. They need the FedEx points to get to the PGA Tour Championship in a much easier road and much easier route in order to compete for all that money at the end of the year. And that's why I'm going to buy Brooks Kepka, And that's why I'm going to buy Tommy Fleetwood. Look at my models for these guys specifically, okay? In my simulation model, this is where it gets sketchy. Brooks is really hit or miss. But in my confidence, ranks number 11. Okay? Ranks number 11. Overall, my aggregate model ranks number 5. And in my overall model, ranks number 3. But where I'm concerned about with Brooks is the approach. The approach, he ranks 42nd on Bermuda. So that's something that I am concerned about. Now, I'm, it, it, it kind of just hovers around that average score of the 40s, especially in the last 12, 24, 50 to 100 rounds. It really doesn't deviate that far from that. So you know what you're going to get. That's all right with that. Including with that, Brooks Kepka on Bermuda Greens, last 50 rounds, Ranked 6th or birdie or betters gained, 28th in good drives, 19th in strokes gained, tee to green, ranks 8th overall in my fantasy national model. When you look at Tommy Fleetwood, it's even better. He ranks 3rd overall, 5th in strokes gained off the tee, 16th in approach, 13th in birdie or better gained, but 1st in strokes gained, tee to green. If Tommy Fleetwood is going to just break the curse and win a PGA event, this might be his easiest chance left in the 2020 season. Fleetwood has a solid chance. Looking at projected ownership with these two, okay. Brooks is sub 10%, and I think people are doing that for two reasons. One, he's 11-4, the highest salary on the board, and we know the narrative with Brooks Kepka. I'm going to play against that. I think there's a lot of value when you go down to the 7 and 6K range. You can build with Brooks Kekba at 11400 and you're already getting diverse, so you can eat some chalk elsewhere. Same thing with Tommy Fleetwood. A lot of people are going to fade him again because he just played the PGA Championship. The fact is, Tommy Fleetwood hasn't been playing much golf. He hasn't. He didn't start right away since, since uh, PGA started since COVID. So we're looking at a Tommy Fleetwood who's only played in the 3M Open, the WGC St. Jude, and the PGA Championship. So he's really trying to get his game into form and round it out for the next coming few weeks, especially for the Tour Championship. I think Fleetwood's a solid play. I think he's going to come in low-owned, especially when you compare it to the guys of like Webb Simpson, Patrick Reed, and of course Paul Casey, who has, who has a course history monster here. Now, the last guy in this range I want to talk about is Webb Simpson. He has impeccable course history here. When you look at it, long story short, he finished 5th in 2014, 6th in 2015, 72nd in 2016, 3rd, 2nd, 2nd, an average finishing position of 15th. And especially if you take away that 72nd, that's an average finishing position of 4th or 5th. It's a top 10. It's a no-brainer here. Um, $11,200. He is going to be chalk. All right, 33% or higher. Now, he goes straight near cash game lineups. 
there's no doubt in my mind Webb Simpson is a cash lock. If you want to fade him in GPP, I completely understand, especially considering that this field is a lot more difficult than we normally see at the Wyndham, just because it comes late in the year, but situation's different here this year in PGA Tour. All right, going down to the 9K range, and DraftKings did something interesting. They made this range very small with only four golfers fulfilling that criteria, and that includes Justin Rose, Harris English, Billy Horschel, and Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth is 9K. 9K. I still think he's too expensive, so I really don't have a lot of interest in Jordan Spieth, but two people I do have interest in. First is Harris English, okay? When you look at Harris English, he ranks 13th in my confidence model. In my aggregate model, he ranks 13th overall. In my approach, he ranks 29th, fairways 26th, scoring is 40th. So where you're going to struggle with Harris English is the scoring factor. But hopefully that this course is so easy that Harris English can overcome that. Now, I was going to bet him, so I may not overplay him in my DraftKings lineups this weekend just so I can get just some leverage and exposure to other players. But the one thing I love about Harris English is he dominates on Bermuda putting surfaces compared to Bent and Poa. Okay? Now... Am I concerned about the fact that Harris English played in the PGA Championship? Sure, there is going to be fatigue going from West Coast to East Coast, but the fact is he gained five strokes putting, one stroke in approach, 2.1 strokes tee to green, lost a few strokes off the tee, but being off the tee here is not that penalizing. You don't have to be long. You could dominate this course. Harris English is in play. Justin Rose is my last pick in this 9K range, and simply said, I think he comes in as more of like a sleeper, and, a, and I'm going to use him more of a pivot from like the likes of Billy Horschel and looking up at Patrick Reed and Webb Simpson. I think he's got a decent shot to win. And in my simulation model, we're looking at a top team, top 15 average finish. In my intangibles, where my expected birdie or better percentage, he ranks 29th. So we'll see how he scores this weekend. He's never played here before. That doesn't concern me because of the ease of the course. But looking at similar courses in his course history, he does have a very, very good projection here in the style projection. He ranks 19th overall. So at $9,900, I will have some shares of Justin Rose. Moving down to the 8K range, again, I don't have a ton of interest here, but I'm going to look at Sung J.M., Kevin Kisner and Ryan Moore. I'm basically waiting for Sung Jay the Terminator to bounce back. Like, when's he going to return to form and show me the Sung Jay that we know love to be the dominant player that he was prior to COVID looking at last year? He would play every tournament and he would make the cut in top 20, top 25. Missed the cut last weekend at the PJ Championship. Is fatigue going to be a factor? I don't think so. Okay. We're going to his best putting surface, hands down. Bermuda, okay? Light it up. He's an elite player. He's just off his game. You look at his approach game since coming back at the tra- uh, at the RBC mo- uh, at the Rocket Mortgage, minus strokes gain and approach, minus strokes gain approach on the Workday Charity, at the Memorial, at the St. Jude. But guess what? Last week, finally some positive vibes, gain strokes. But where did he struggle? On the putting surface, on the dance floor. Hopefully he takes this strong putting game on Bermuda to the, what, the East Coast. And Sanjay's going to be in play. Look, he's cheap. He's 8800 It gives you some diversity, a balanced build. Projection-wise, we're looking at like in the teens. I'm okay with that. I'll eat that. Remember, golf projections, they're 
you take them with a grain of salt. And what I mean is that like if it's 13, 15%, it's not really chalky in your lineups because you can diversify elsewhere. Simulation model has him finishing in the top 40. And you look at his aggregate rank though, he ranks number eight. And then in my overall rank ranks number nine. What I like about him most is scoring. When Sungjae is playing well, he is a scoring machine. All right, so Sungjae M, absolutely in play. Looking at him over the last 50 rounds, 14th in strokes gain off the tee, second in birdies or better gain. I talked about DraftKings scoring, second in birdies or better gain. You want Sungjae M here. All right, next player I want to talk about in this 8K range is Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner is someone that has kind of disappeared off the map, uh, similar to Sung J.M. in many ways, okay? When you look at Kiz's recent form, at the PGA Championship, he's finished a quiet 19th place. I don't think a lot of people had him. The WG St. Jude, 25th, but he did miss the cut at the Memorial, and then before that, it was third at the Rocket Mortgage. Hopefully, Kiz goes low-owned, Okay. Hopefully that happens. I'm not sure if it's going to happen because I get bet you a lot of touts are going to talk him up. People are going to read about him on Roto Grinders. They're going to read about him on Osmo and all these other sites that tout all these players. Kiz is a great play, though. Even with that 18% ownership, I'm going to have pieces of Kisner. Um, at 8,300, he doesn't need a lot of your salary, which is uh, which is what we kind of expect. Now, my curiosity only goes so far because Bermuda is his worst putting surface, Okay. And it's not even close to Bent Greens and not even close to POA. So looking at his course history here at the Wyndham, he, um, pulling it up right now. Kisner finished tied for 42nd in 2017, tied for 10th in 2016. So. That's what we're looking at for Kiz. Last guy I want to mention in this 8K range, actually two. I am going to say uh, you know, Sergio's available again. I know he's often on my do not play list, but his best putting surface by far is Bermuda. And I'm going to take another stab at Sergio Garcia. He's been playing better golf. I'm going to want pieces of him. I know I have him on that list of I will not play, but that's more of him just being a turd than anything else as a human being. It's not about his golf game per se. He missed the cut last weekend, but that's before he had a 35th at the St. Jude, 32nd at the Memorial, and 32nd at the Travelers, okay? So went to a major, missed the cut. I'm okay with that. We're looking here now at a different putting surface. We're on the West Coast or on the East Coast, I'm going to take my shot on Sergio Garcia. If you look over the last 50 rounds, Garcia, first in my model. He's 13th and off the tee, 9th in approach, 7th or birdies are better gained, 5th in ball striking, 4th in strokes gained, tee to green, and 6th in good drives. I'm going to have shares of Sergio Garcia. Now, the last player I'm going to take in this 8K range is Ryan Moore. All right, Ryan Moore in my in the last 50 rounds ranks ninth overall. Where he struggles though is the birdies are better gain, and I don't like that aspect of his game. But I'm still going to willing to take a shot. Now Ryan Moore isn't always necessarily a score, and especially in the last 50 rounds when you take that into consideration, he doesn't fit that mold of what we're looking for. But the fact is that Ryan Moore last uh, is last time we saw him finish 12th at the 3M Open, so we know that his game is trending up. Now, is he a great putter on Bermuda? Absolutely not. 
it's his worst putting surface. But the fact that he gained seven strokes in approach last event at the 3M Open, and then at the Memorial, when we know the wind was brutal, he gained 2.4 strokes in approach. I'll take that risk and hope for a hot putter. So that'll take us to the 7K range, and this is where I just think that this weekend's tournament is going to be basically made or broken with this 7K range. First of all, all the players I have interest in in the 7Ks, I'm going to list them right now. I'm not going to talk about them all. It would, it would just talk your on and it would lose focus on my favorites. But we're looking at Joaquin Neiman, JT Poston, Harold Varner III, Rory Sabatini, Chucky Three Sticks, Lucas Glover, Carlos Ortiz, Norlander, Jim Furyk, like I mentioned before, and Brian Harmon. Okay, we're going to start with Neiman. First of all, Neiman is $7,900 and he ranks 16th overall in Vegas. 16th overall in my Vegas rank. Okay, that's insane for a $7,000 player. In Fantashare's course suitability rank, he ranks 24th overall. In the style projection, he ranks 9th overall. In my overall projection, he ranks 8th. Now, you look at my confidence pool, he ranks top 10 there. He ranks overall number 30th in my overall stat model. But what I love is that he's 12th in scoring. 6th in approach model, and 10th in my fairway model. Where he struggles is obviously with the putter. Like most young golfers do, Neiman fits that mold of struggling with that short stick. Now, looking at Neiman's recent form and how he's played, he missed the cut at the PGA, 52nd at the WGC St. Jude, missed the cut at the Memorial. So he's actually kind of like in a downswing. You might get him at reduced ownership. I doubt it because he just tends to be a popular player week in and week out. It will be double-digit ownership. You're not going to get away with something here. Um, the, the thing that I find most disheartening about Neiman is that one of his worst putting surfaces is Bermuda, but if we can get past it, this is a scoring course. Um, Neiman's got a great shot here, especially at $7,900. He saves you a ton of salary with someone who has huge, massive upside. you got to take your shots on Neiman, especially if you're doing MMA. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with the tight core again this week. It worked well last week. I don't see why I should deviate from that pattern. The next 7K guy that I'm going to mention is Lucas Glover. I know, Lucas Glover is a terrible putter. I get it. But when you get him on a scoring course, I will take Lucas Glover here. Now, course history-wise, Glover finished... uh, Glover finished here. He finished 72nd last year. 28th in 2017, 22nd in 2016, and tied for 18th in 2015. So Glover's never missed the cut, and he's got top 20 potential at $7,300. I think a lot of people are going to fade him simply because they'll look at his putting metrics and say, no, thank you, I don't want any piece of that. But the fact is, Glover is, in my opinion, underpriced to where he should be, and it's part of his recent form. You look at his fairways, agrees, approach, and scoring, he's in the top 25 in each. And of course, where he struggles most is with the putter, okay? In my simulation model, he finishes in the average of top 40, top 45. And then in my confidence ranking, he ranks top 10. That's where the caveat is. Now, in my projections model, he's top 20. So, Lucas Glover does fit the mold here to play well. Looking at the last 50 rounds on Bermuda, 42nd in the field, 28th in ball striking, though. 
26th in strokes gained tee to green and 27th in uh, good drive. So, again, we're looking for birdies. We're looking for scoring. Hopefully, Glover can get the short stick going. I think he's in play. Last guy I want to mention, or two more guys I want to mention here in the 7K range, Jim Furyk and Brian Harmon. All right, so you look at Furyk. I talked about him in the twilight of his career. This is an opportunity for him to kind of score and play well and kind of grasp, you know, just a little bit longer on the PGA Tour before he goes to the Senior Tour. You don't need distance here, and Furyk is more accurate than potentially many of these guys in the field, many of the young guns in the field. You look at his course history here, 10th in 2016, 4th in 2018. So that's two top 10s. In the approach model, he ranks number two. Fairways and greens, 23rd. Now, of course, we're going to worry about scoring here. But remember that scoring metric takes in more than just the short courses. It takes in all the tournaments that Jim Furyk has been playing in recently. But my overall rank, he has him 19th. 19th. My confidence rank has him in the top 20, ranked number 12th overall. But where I love him most is in my projection model. Guy, $7,200. He projects to be the 12th highest projected total. So I think Furyk's in play. You're going to have to take shots at him. How his ownership shakes down maybe kind of deviates that, like where you're going to go with him. But I'm looking at single-digit ownership right now, depending on how much people talk him up. Looking at Jim Furyk's recent form, Furyk historically missed the cut at the PGA, as we know. 48th, though, at the Memorial. And we know that there's a correlation between the Memorial at Mirafield Village and this course specifically with Sedgefield. Missed the cut at the work, uh, Workday Charity Open, but did make the cut at the Travelers 54th. Is he, you know, is he blowing the barn doors off? Absolutely not. But Jim Furyk, this is an opportunity for him to, to do well, do well at the twilight of his career, potentially even win. So, last guy I want to mention in this 7K range is Brian Harmon. You look at Harmon in the last 50 rounds, it, there's nothing really to write home about. The guy ranks 61st in my overall 50, uh, in my in my model, my, my research model. But when you look at him on my, <clears throat> in my, um, in my overall rankings, he ranks 4th. Okay, so that's a big difference when you look at the metrics on Fantasy National versus what I calculate on my uh, spreadsheet here. So Harmon ranking fourth, 15th in approach, 35th out the fairway, 5th in scoring, and 36th in my putting ranker makes him an, an ideal candidate to top 10, especially the fact that he's at 7,100, almost in that 6K range. Simulation model has him finishing the top 20 consistently. Aggregate model has him at number 10. Confidence pool number 16 vegas rank he's 7100 he ranks 27th similar to the likes of chucky three sticks rory sabatini lucas glover okay carlos artiz who is more money than brian Harmon, ranks 45th in my vegas rank so the fact is even vegas likes brian Harmon here all right he's only 7100 dollars looking at his recent form 58th at the PGA Championship, 41st at the 3M Open. Where he struggled the PGA was obviously off the tee and in approach, which many players did. That won't be an issue here. This is a scorer's course. I'm going to have pieces of Brian Harmon. That's the birdie or better segment, boys. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. So this brings us to the Cutline Signature Segment. 
can't do it. Won't do it. I only have two players here who are double-digit ownership that I can not play. And they are for the opposite reasons of Brooks Kepka and Tommy Fleetwood. And that is Paul Casey and Patrick Reed. Here's my argument for these two. All right, Patrick Reed in the FedEx standings currently ranks sixth. Sixth. I don't even know why he's here this weekend. He doesn't need to play. I don't know if he wants to shore up his game, whatever the case may be. Patrick Reed ranks sixth in FedEx points. He doesn't need them. And for the first time in a long time, we're looking at double-digit ownership for Patrick Reed. If there's ever a time for me to fade him, it's now. Same argument can be made for Paul Casey. First of all, Casey's overpriced for two reasons. One, his performance at the PGA Championship. And two, his uh, his course history here at Sedgefield. That's why he's ranked so highly. That's why he's so highly touted. And that's why he's so popular. But again, Paul Casey, when you look at him in the FedEx standings, he ranks 54th. He doesn't necessarily need the points. But the fact that Paul Casey is $10,300, no thank you. I'm not going to pay that much for Paul Casey. When you look at this field, which really isn't that weak, that Paul Casey needs to be that much money. I think he's put into a poor, poor pricing point because now you need him in the top five. Casey historically is only top five once at this tournament in 2015 where he finished third. Beyond that, in 2014 and 2019, he had two top 20 top twenty finishes. So is Paul Casey a solid play? Yes, the metrics do match up. But you know what? I can't do it. I can't do it for that ownership. I can't do it for that price. Paul Casey can't do it. Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut, miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut, miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. (laughs) A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So this takes us to our MG Monsters and guarantee the Martin Pillar effect where I'm going to look at the 6K range and give you two monsters, players that I think in the 6K range will finish in the top 25 and my guarantee, my players that I guarantee will make the cut. I'm not necessarily sure that you need to go down this far in the 6K range, but there are some solid plays down here nevertheless. Um, We're going to start with my guarantees, and that is Ryan Armour and Jason Kokrak. When you you look at these two players down here in the 6K range, Armour and Kokrak specifically, Kokrak, course history, you're looking at a guy who finished 6th, 57th, 16th with two missed cuts. But the fact is, he has the perfect game for this course. He's great at scoring, a decent enough putter, decent enough in approach, and decent on the off the tee. Now, th- this is a very easy course, don't get me wrong. Any one of these 6K guys could dominate and come out of nowhere. But the thing I like about Cokes is that he's got the experience. And if you look at the last 50 rounds on Bermuda, 
He ranks fifth overall in my model, eighth in strokes gain off the tee, first in approach, first in ball striking, ninth in strokes gain tee to green. He's top five in that ranking. All right, you have to consider Kokrak here as a guarantee. Almost made him a monster. I just felt like it was too easy. It's not really that far of a reach, even though we're still looking at single-digit ownership. If you want to play him as a monster in your GPPs, by all means, go ahead, play him. Look at the confidence ranking. He ranks 25th overall. And then if you look at the historical style projection, he ranks 63rd. I know in the Fancher course suitability ranking, he ranks 68th, but he does have course history here, which is very promising. That's why I made him a guarantee. So next guy I mentioned was Ryan Armour. Now, Ryan Armour is always one of those guys that just pisses you off as, as a DFS guy because he'll, he'll be leading at the end of round one and then at the end of round four, finishing in last place. Causes for concern, obviously, are his poor putting skills on Bermuda. I don't like it. And we've seen two straight miscuts at the 3M Open and the Workday Charity Open. But the thing is, with Ryan Armour, I'm still going to take some shots on him this weekend. Now, Armour, in his last 50 rounds on Bermuda, he ranks 88th in my model. But what I like about him is that he's 59th in scoring. I'll take that risk with Ryan Armour. Is he the best play in this 6K range? No, not necessarily. I'd rather take Kokrak here as my guarantee. But Armour is a viable option nevertheless. So we're going to go down now to the monsters. And this is where, again, I'm going to say this. I don't think you need to go down to this range to look at these monsters. But I'm going to give you a few. I think Scott Piercy is an option. I think Keith Mitchell is an option here. In the monster range, Sung Kang, even though he burned people last weekend, is obviously an option here in the 6K range. He's playing well. But the two that I want to mention specifically are Chase Seifert and Matthew Naismith. When you're looking at these 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 two, okay, you're not going to find guys that are just popping in terms of the model. Seifert ranks 67th in the last 50 rounds on Bermuda, 59th off the tee, 81st in approach, 64th in birdies or better gain. But what I do like about Seifert is that his putting is kind of neutral on Bermuda, which kind of makes him an unknown factor, and you'll get a nice little leverage here. He hasn't played since he missed the cut at the 3M Open, but in his last five rounds, he's gained strokes in every major statistical category. When we're looking at Naismith now, it's a little bit different of a story. Looking at Matthew Naismith in his last few rounds, <clears throat> he missed the cut at the 3M Open, missed the cut at the Memorial, missed the cut at the Workday Charity Open, missed the cut at the Travelers. So the guy's way off his game. But looking historically, he goes on nice little runs. In 2019, 14th at the RS Open. Then he followed that up with the American Express in 2020 with 17th. 30th and then 11th and then 38th and miscut and back to the normal so we know when he can get on these hot streaks and there's no better way to do that and then be on bermuda which is his second best putting surface so that'll wrap up that mg monsters and guarantee oh you men are all alike seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag you better keep your mouth shut oh i think i love him Well, that's it. It's over. That will wrap up the cut line in our analysis of the Wyndham Championship. Join us next week as we break down the Northern Trust. 
plenty of people to thank. I want to thank you, the listener, for spending your time with me. Hopefully, we'll have Zach back next week. I want to thank Fanshare Sports, and of course, I want to thank PJ Tour. It's been a fun comeback so far. I'm excited and looking forward to this weekend. I'm Michael Cavalunas. You can find me on Twitter at Lunas, L-I-U-N-A-S. And of course, you can find the cut line at T-Cutline. Let's get 6-6 six six through the cut line. Trust your process. Get it done.